Whether you believe the promises coming out of COP26 in Glasgow or think it's all just a bunch of hot air, greenhouse gas if you prefer, there's one thing that can't be denied and that's this. When financial services companies and the markets bring pressure to bear on any issue, change can happen. On today's Dave and Darm Demystify, they have an incredible guest, Ulrich Peach, who's a self-described dad, entrepreneur, and the CEO of Berlin-based Ecolytic. And he has an incredible idea for making change happen to save the planet. Listen. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Dom Demystify Show. Dave and Dom Demystify Show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dom Mystery. Demystify. Welcome everybody to today's show. And with COP26 on in Glasgow as we speak, we have a very special guest, we have Ulrich Peach from Ecolytic. Ulrich is going to explain a bit about what Ecolytic is up to, but you'll see the connection as he explains it with why we're doing this session on a COP26 week. Ulrich, welcome to the show. Could you give us a bit of background on yourself and talk a bit about Ecolytic, please? Yes, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to do that. So Ecolytic is quite a new company. We have founded it one and a half years ago, and it's also part of my personal story. I have two kids, Maximilian and Felix, six and eight. And I was watching a documentary on David Attenborough, the famous filmmaker, and the documentary was about his life. And I assumed that this would be a very nice thing to see with my kids, animal sceneries and all that comes with it. But then basically the documentary laid out what happens if humanity cannot solve climate change and what this means for the planet. So quite dramatic pictures. My two sons started crying. And for me, this was the moment where I said that sustainability is really something where I want to dedicate the rest of my life to because we are here for the kids. So I'm taking this really seriously. Um, it was back then I was together with a couple of consultants on a project where we were basically creating a bank for a big wholesale retailer. And one on the team, David, was really into sustainability. And he was also really into payments for many, many years, having done some fraud analysis for payment transactions. He believed and came with the idea that payment transactions today reflect everything we do because payment is digital and everything we do every day, buying a coffee, filling up the car, paying the energy provider is reflected in my payments. So this makes payment data the best data on the planet to calculate your individual footprint. It doesn't get much better. There's no better data to do this. And this is why we founded the company around. So basically what Ecolytic does is we help banks to go more sustainable and more green by helping their customers to understand their footprint out of their payment transactions. That's basically what we do. And the idea was born that we really wanted to scale this uh, to millions of customers 
because the big banks out there still have this amount of customers. So if we can educate and nudge and get people aware of the footprint with millions of customers, then this would be a massive, interesting story. And we would have the impact we were all seeking, a big impact, a huge impact, right? And the big vision of Ecolytic is reaching uh, 1 billion consumers. That's 2026. That's a lot, right? And we often get this as an answer. But if you look at the large banks, they have hundred millions of customers. So why don't we talk to these customers with our software and helping them to understand their footprint? Can I get this right? Just, you know, to simplify it a little bit, not to make the solution simple, because I know it's quite clever and complex, but this is a form of recategorization of the payment data because at the moment you know people are using it to manage the budget for you know how much they spend on shopping versus their bills versus you know eating out but this does the same and says well actually this transaction was for petrol which means there's a carbon footprint of x based on the supplier right and this transaction was for flying air tickets that has a carbon footprint of why is that generally how it works absolutely that's how it works so you can see it as an extension of the existing personal finance management tools right giving you insight on your impact and the impact your daily transaction your daily consumption behavior has and also it doesn't stop there so you know you're getting aware of that flight transaction generating i don't know 100 kilo of co2 but then we also have tools available in the software to, that tell you, you know, that's like driving two hours with a car. Right. People get context to it and they understand what it really means. And also these little tips and tricks on how to reduce, for example, we see it's transaction from the restaurant. And then we play out certain insights saying like, you know, next time you go to the restaurant, think about going for white meat instead of red meat because it has a four times lower impact. So you don't have to become a vegetarian, but you can do these little tips and tricks. And we have, you know, thousands of content pieces that nudge the people on how to do better. I mean, it's incredibly interesting. So you're not only providing the carbon footprint, but you're providing the content which sits around it. So a bank, in essence, could take what you're offering and just plug it in, so to speak. And, you know, what they have is a ready-made answer to their customers, making their carbon footprint more real. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's based on one single API. So basically the payment transaction goes in and we deliver about 30 values back. And CO2 is one of these values, but insights and all the other stuff are other things we are returning. And if you take the journey even further, you know, after the educational part, there's also the action part saying that, you know, I booked that flight but now I want to offset this flight by just doing a single swipe on my mobile phone. And we also offer this. So we have a marketplace of certified offsetting partners for the bank to use and to integrate. So allow their customers to offset or even at a later stage, also allow your customers to invest in, for example, ESG products. So you can compensate by offsetting donations. But you can also compensate transactions or your footprint by investing into ESG products. I mean, which still have to evolve in the market and still have to be clear on how much CO2 or other metrics they are compensating. So that's evolving. But the good thing is for the customer, if they do an investment, they basically keep the money and get a nice interest. And it's also good for the banks because the banks are back at their usual game, uh, getting commissions for selling banking products, right? So. 
this is how we believe banks should see sustainability. I mean, obviously, they see it as a marketing case today where they have to involve some costs, but they could also and they have to see that this is a future revenue case for them, a business case where they can actually make money there. And if we succeed, that's the vision also of Ecolytic, not only reaching the people, but also funneling the money into the right courses. So if we are able to, together with a large bank, funnel the money into the good ESG products, right? And that on a million customer basis, there's nothing better you can do than funneling money into the right courses, right? So that's what we believe. I think that's fantastic that We'd love to believe that banks would do it just because they're purpose-driven and they want to save the planet, of course. But, you know, at the end of the day, money talks and actually making some money from this is also a good thing. But I also think there's another thing that you're adding to this, which banks would really value, which is increased engagement, right? Because today, when they go in, the customer will look at the balance, look at the statement, and then out, or they'll do their banking and then out, right? But now they can start to understand, you know, what their spend means to them. And there's clearly going to be a little bit more interaction, especially if they can do some offsetting, et cetera, as well. So now you're keeping them inside the banking app for longer. They're interacting much more frequently. You've massively increased their engagement value. That's something that banks are craving, right? Absolutely. And we can already see this happening with the banks we are live with. So we see on average 145% more engagement. Wow. This is where people go into their transactional details, which they have never done before. So why should I go in any transactional detail? I mean, there's nothing interesting right there on the static line. But if they want to go deeper right now, they can do it. And actually, we drive engagement. And our mission is to basically allow the customer a seamless journey to the offsetting and to the investing part so that a large bank basically keeps the customer and not loses them to the you know trade republics out there that do investing much easier tinder style click and then you go right we believe this is how we can help the banks to basically extend the lifetime of their customers they are still having because they still have this trust credibility but they have to work on the engagement the action parts and the green proposition is another thing so 70%, I think it was UK research, 70% say they're going to change their bank if the bank is not offering them a green solution in the future. 70%, right? So we are not talking about the Greta's young target groups anymore. We are talking about my generation that has kids and want to do some good for the planet. So it's happening on a broad scale, right? And we see it happening in Europe. We see it happening in the US. We even see it happening in Asia. So it's also a global phenomenon we are seeing here. And I was talking to one of the top US banks and they were basically pitching my story to me, right? <laughs> Engagement is a problem. Robinhood is a problem. Coinbase is a problem. So what can we do, right? And we said like, well, you have to have some kind of solution and we can offer that to you. What you have is this sort of ready-made data, which you know, you layer on top the kind of carbon footprint and really helps bring this to life for the average consumer. So I think certainly my voyage of discovery that I've been on trying to kind of understand what's out there, everything from, you know, what does a ton of carbon look like? Because that, I think, is something people kind of struggle with through to what is valid ESG investing. I mean, it sounds like you can solve all of these problems by just using the bank data. One of the questions I've got is about where are you pulling the carbon data from? And 
what makes the carbon data the right carbon data? Right. So there are different approaches to that in the market. Our solution is based on open data because we believe data is not 100% precise, complete these days that we can do with proprietary standards. We believe everybody has to participate and help us on getting the best numbers. And there are about 30,000 studies coming out on that topic every year. So a lot to digest from our side. So basically what we do is we integrate these studies, you know, supply chain reports and everything into our open data approach. So there's basically a wiki to it where everybody can participate. Everybody can use that, even our competitors, banks, if they want to do that on their own. So it's basically open. And we believe today it cannot be 100% precise and correct. So you have to be really transparent in how you come to the numbers. And we don't want to put the bank on the spot in saying like, oh, we don't know how the number adds up to. Here's the open data wiki and you can look at it. And if you have better numbers, better reports, better studies, well, include them there. And we are happy to adapt them in the next round. For us, it's the only approach out there that will work. But we see it's happening. So with every month, data is getting better, uh, more precise. That's already a big help after being around there for one and a half years we see a major progress in there how long has ecolytic been going one and a half years only yeah <laughs> this sort of feels like actually quite a new area of fintech but new and exciting what appetite do you see amongst the banking community i guess i'd split that into traditional and some of the newer neo challenger banks what are you kind of seeing out there yeah we're basically serving three kinds of clients and the challenges is the first one and they are really helpful because they are quick and they are API driven and they know how to integrate our product. It takes them just weeks and they are important to drive the big ones, but they have to ramp up customers, right? They don't have millions of customers yet, so they have to ramp it up. So it's good to work with them, but the scale is happening on another dimension. The other category we are serving of clients is the T1 to 3 banks. And we've seen that the market is developing over the last six months. So six months ago, it was like unstructured, informal, shopping around kind of request, you know, what can we do with sustainability, about sustainability. And now we are getting RFIs, RFPs, well-structured budgets behind that, sometimes even global tender so that's interesting to see that it's getting very precise it's still a way to go and it takes them at least 12 months to design and go live with such a product but they are on it and they can basically feel the pressure the third category maybe just to mention it's also interesting because they enable the visas of this world and the processors and they help us to get to the banks right so this is also a strategy we are focusing. So if you want to serve the banks, you have to be where the technology is. And that's usually comes with the processors, the card schemes, the old banking providers, the PFM providers. So we are basically putting together an ecosphere where we can play out our product much more flexible than going bank by bank by bank, right? The fact that sort of in the last six months, sounds like the industry has basically got itself together is fascinating in its own right. In terms of where the RFPs are coming from, is it coming from the technology side of the businesses generally or the business side? I'm just kind of interested to know where in the banks the agenda has been driven from. 
I think it's mostly coming from the product side. So we see, you know, the ones that put together the new card propositions, the new account propositions, the new products they are launching. So we see a lot of movement out of that. It's good because that's where the budgets are, you know, that's where the decision makers are. It's a little bit less from technology IT and sometimes people in charge of sustainability are also driving these kind of initiatives. But you have to discuss if they have budgets or not, but you know, most of the bank now have their sustainability responsible person. And we believe they've been focusing a lot on bank internal KPIs, like, you know, getting the travels of my employee, climate neutral, getting the offices in a better energy condition or whatever. But if you look at HSBC or a bank like that, I mean, they have 50,000 employees, which you optimize and their footprint, and they have, I don't know, 40, 50 million customers. So if we can move from their employees to their customers, the scale we are having is much bigger than just focusing on the bank internal sphere alone. On the other side of things, is it too soon or do you actually have also like feedback from the end users, like real customers that are using the platform? What's the kind of general feedback you're getting? With the green challenger banks, people are really on it. We see a very high engagement. So less than 5% of the people drop out, more than 95% continue using the features. And what's really interesting to see, even before that offsetting and investing part, just by getting aware and getting engaged, you can see that the CO2 consumption is going down by more than 10%. Wow. If we continue on the offsetting and the investing part, this will be on an even larger scale. This is really interesting to see that people are acting and people, you know, they want to do something good, but today they don't know how and what. That's where we try to help. Will you get into, I guess, at some point, allowing them to compare? Like, am I in the top 5% of people in my age group that are at this level of CO2 consumption? It's kind of like gamification. Will you try and gamify it to help people to go further with their carbon reduction? Absolutely. And you can also, you know, me as a single person, I can have an impact by doing something. But if you aggregate the numbers and say all the customers of that bank X, Y, that together in the last months planted, you know, not only one tree, but a million trees together, it has a community effect, right? Yeah. And some of the challenges do this really well. So they aggregate the numbers and then you're part of a movement. You're having an impact together with all the other ones that are on it. And this even continues in seeing that, for example, tomorrow, this is the leading green challenger bank in Germany, they did a crowdfunding of their next round. So they did raise 8 million euros in 24 hours because consumers are really saying, this is a good proposition. This is a banking proposition that needs to grow. I invest my personal money into that company. And that's really interesting to see where most of the investors were a bit hesitant to jump on the risk, right? So let consumers go first. It's such an interesting space. One of the things that, again, going back to things like offsetting, as I've sort of researched offsetting, what I've seen is there's a massive difference between what goes on from an offsetting point of view. You know, when you're looking at things like offsetting and ESG, what some of the benchmarks you're using to make sure that you can get fully behind what you're offering banks and their customers. So it's a marketplace logic that we apply there. So just like Amazon does for their marketplace, you have to be aware that, you know, all the players on your marketplace have certain standards and we're using the UN gold standard certification to make sure this is really happening. 
So quality is one thing. We also picked everyone deliberately and, and put together a portfolio of what we believe are interesting offsetting partners. But we are also open for if the bank already has some local initiatives, for example, or some local organizations which they want to support, then we can also include these in our portfolio. So we're not saying you have to use the marketplace of offsetting partner. You can also go with your own. And if you look at the banks in different countries, for example, if we look at Eastern European uh, banks, they're more onto the S in the ESG, so more into social and a little bit less into the environmental uh, space. So you can even extend this marketplace to, you know, they want to serve social causes. And that's what they should do if their customers really care about this. So that's what we try to do to make it really transparent also and only go with partners who are really good to go. Again, this space is also digitalizing. I mean, the donation industry is something that's been digitalized and they have to get more transparent. Where does the money really go to? And is that tree I'm planting still there in two years, right? And all that kind of stuff. So that's same with ESG. I mean, ESG products, it's just the beginning of the market and there's so much confusion about what's good, what's bad, what's the certification for that. So that still has to evolve. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an incredibly fascinating discussion. I sort of feel like this is going to be a huge part of the world of banking and the world of fintech going forward. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us a small peek into what's going on. Thank you so much for joining us. Brilliant. Thank you, Ulrich. That was fascinating. Really insightful. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great time. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.